morning, everyone. Welcome to the Celeste Stein Show. I am your host, Dr. Celeste Stein, and I'm excited to bring you today's topic on how you can live a more joyful and happy life. Before we get into today's show, I'd like to make sure that I ask you to please like and subscribe to the program. We focus on current events and popular culture, self-help topics, and entertainment. So please don't forget to like and subscribe. If you have a question and you'd like to be a part of our program today, we'd certainly love to have you. So feel free to call in. Our toll-free call-in number is 888 627 6008. We would definitely love to hear your stories and coach you through whatever the issue may be. That number again, 888-627-6008. And now on to today's show. The last two years have been filled with great concern and worries over the coronavirus pandemic and economic devastation in its wake. Many have lost loved ones and jobs over the pandemic and vaccine mandates. With that in mind, many people seem to have lost a lot of joy in their lives right now. So today, we're going to talk about how we can get some real joy back into our lives and begin to thrive in 2022 like never before. And to do that, we turn to a certified life coach with an expertise and focus on joy coaching. I'd like to welcome Robin Shear to today's program. She is the owner of Joy to the World Coaching, and she loves working with people and families who find themselves depleted. Robin, again, welcome to today's program. Celeste, thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to be with you today. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to begin by asking you, how did you get into this particular niche in your life uh, at this particular point in time as a life coach? It's funny. I, you know, didn't plan to become a life coach. I wanted to work at McDonald's and be a camp counselor and... (laughs) I ended up doing a lot of different things and it turns out that I've been unofficially coaching through all of my callings. And when that became clear to me, um, I decided to just go with it and go to school and really learn how to dig into helping people move forward. Um, And so joy coaching is something that just came to be because I knew that joy was something that I knew. It was something that made sense to me. Um, business does not make sense to me. I could never coach anyone on business, you know, (laughs) finances. I'm not your girl, but joy is something that, you know, it resonates deep. And I feel like I have the ability to help people understand what joy is, what it isn't and where it's found on an individual level. And then we have a whole lot of fun just making it happen. So (laughs) that's where it came from. Yeah, that uh, is really awesome. The way you sort of meandered into that. I want to start also by asking you to tell us, what do you think is a definition it means to have true joy in one's life? I cannot thank you enough for that question, because there's a lot of confusion about what joy is and what it isn't. And so whenever I speak to audiences, that is the first place that I begin. And no one has ever given joy the same definition. I find that so fascinating. Wow. And I think it's, you know, it's a conversation that just needs to keep happening. And I certainly am not the one who has the right to define joy <laughs> and make it official. But, you know, right. in my definition, 
you know, joy is a way of being. It is an inner effervescence for life itself. It's not a response to stimuli. It's not something that's circumstantial that kind of comes and goes. It's lasting and it brings resilience and hope. And I just feel like if we can grasp that and really dig into it and then cultivate it, we'll be in much better shape than if all we do is chase after happiness, which is fleeting. Do you think uh, people really know right away that they've actually lost the joy in their lives? Or is it sort of a gradual uh, process that maybe sneaks up on us in some way? That's a really good question, too. And, you know, it's funny because it takes people a while, generally, to recognize that joy has been lacking. I mean, okay, so my background is in nutrition. You know, my college degree is in nutrition and dietetics. And when I served as a dietitian, it was always kind of funny because everyone that I worked with thought that they ate really well <laughs> and they thought that they exercise all the time. <laughs> and of, of course. course, if that were true, they wouldn't need my services or anyone else in the hospital for that matter. And joy <laughs> is much the same. You know, we think things are okay. And we, I think so often we just aren't really checking in. You know, we, we skate through life. We have so much we're trying to accomplish and, and it keeps us from being present in the moment. And so if we just do one simple thing, which is, you know, stop the madness for a second, take a good size breath and pause and ask yourself the question, like, what level of joy do I have in my life? Or if you really want to break it up, what level of joy do I have in my love life or my spiritual life? What level of joy am I feeling in my work life? You know, we are, we're whole people and there are so many parts that make us up and they interact with each other. And yet, you know, so often we're just like, nah, I'm good. And so when I, you know, share this concept of joy coaching, most people's initial reaction is, okay, I'm good. That's great for some people, but I don't need it <laughs> until they stop and ask the question. <laughs> Right. Well, I think that's interesting that you uh, bring the point in that we're whole people and we're not just, I mean, we're multifaceted. We have very many different aspects to our lives from spirituality to our work life, to our home lives, et cetera. And so um, we really have to focus on not just one area, but kind of looking at things um, in whole as opposed to in part. So um, I wanted to know, you know, are there particular signs as we look at these different areas of our lives, are there particular signs that we should look for uh, when we're maybe trying to assess whether we're really happy as a whole in those areas? What a good question. And you know what? I think that there are. And the most basic way, I think, to know what the signs are is when you do a self-check and you ask yourself, how is my joy level in my business life? And you put a number to it. Let's say between one and 10, you know, if one is get me a stretcher and 10 is like clone me, <laughs> life is amazing. You know, if you mm -hmm. put a number to it and then you decide as an individual, am I okay with that number? Let's say it's a six. You know, and for some people, a six is pretty amazing because they're so used to ones. 
And so they can define six as really great. Whereas other people are so used to being tens, they're going to know that a six is really where it's time to begin paying more attention to the joy factor and at work as an example. So my advice is, yeah, just give numbers to each of those segments of life and then do frequent self checks. And, you know, um, Celeste, you and I met on LinkedIn and right. LinkedIn is a great place to just connect with people around the world. And um, sure. just last week, I started a LinkedIn newsletter called Feel Good because I'm watching all this stuff unfold on LinkedIn and people are not feeling good. They're not. Right. And Absolutely. So, right. right. It's, it's heartbreaking. And so put this newsletter together with this basic tool that I'm sharing with you, just a quick self-check one to 10. And within less than a week, I have 450 subscribers. What wow. does that say? Right. <laughs> that's a, that's a real big sign that, uh, you know, people aren't feeling the most amazing these days. And, um, you know, that's un- unfortunate. Um, that kind of brings me to my next question, though. And that's uh, once you kind of recognize you've done your homework, your self-assessment, and you realize that something's actually different and you're not feeling uh, the best, what should you do? Well, I would like to ask you like what you normally do, and then I'll tell you what I think you should do. Is that okay if we turn it around? Absolutely. I'm, okay. I'm happy to, to kind of engage with you and, 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 <laughs> and go through that. One of the things I think back to, um, I used to work as a news reporter in uh, Virginia, amongst several other markets, and um, in, in Lynchburg, Virginia, my first uh, real news director, well, I guess I don't know. He was probably really about the third because I worked in radio, but this was in television, uh, working for an ABC affiliate in, in Lynchburg, Virginia. And uh, his name was Roger Wellman. And I was sitting in his office and the first day he said, one thing you want to keep in mind with this business, Celeste, because it's a very stressful industry. You know, people think it's all fun and games, but it's a lot of pressure, you know, being on camera and doing all that, all, you know, it it just is. So he looked at me and he said, Celeste, one thing to keep in mind is never get too high on the highs or too low on the lows. Try to keep an even keel. And what great advice that has Mm -hmm. been. And that's something that stuck with me for 20 years, you know, that you really need to to think about life that way. Don't get too um, stressed out over, you know, things because at the end of the day, um, what really is important what really matters to you. I mean, the fact that you're alive and that you're here, you know, sometimes we have to figure out why we're here and what we actually are supposed to be doing. But for me, um, I do certain things to um, kind of keep myself in check. Um, Sometimes, you know, there have been times, I think, in my life where things might have been a little bit out of balance, uh, maybe because I was focusing too much on work or focusing too much on a relationship or that kind of thing. But I realized that um, the first thing about happiness and joy is that you have to be happy. It's like you got to put your own uh, life support on before you, you know, put the face mask on yourself before you put it Mm -hmm. on anybody else. And so there are things that I do um, to carve out time 
for myself because I matter. I'm important. Um, and if I'm not happy, uh, you know, what do they say? If mama's not happy, nobody's happy. You know, you, <laughs> you want to make sure that you do things that uh, make yourself happy. So if that for me is playing a little video game or something on my phone or watching my favorite show or going to get a massage or what have you, or just taking a few moments out, going off from everybody and just meditating and then thinking about my life or writing down some of my goals and things that I'm trying to achieve. That's how I kind of keep myself kind of in check and um, happy. <laughs> so, Girl, you know, you do not need me at all. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me just tell you that what you just gave is worth rewinding. I'm going to tell your audience right now, go back and rewind what Celeste just said, because you just dropped so many nuggets of wisdom in a couple of minutes. And I mean, I wish I had been taking notes. There's so much I want to pull out. (laughs) Wow. I feel very honored. (laughs) What did you know? (laughs) No, but like, seriously, I mean, so your question was, you know, when we do the self-check, we give it a number, we know we're not where we want to be. What do we do? And your answer was brilliant. You talked about so many things. So, you know, you talked about a knowing what's important to you right out of the gate. You talked about, you know, knowing what's important to you and you identified self-care and balance as two things right away that are important to you. And then you got specific and this is where it gets good. And and this is what I really want your audience to dig into is, okay, if self-care, you know, is helpful to you, then if that brings joy into your world, how, how then, what are some specific things that have worked for you in the past that really brought you to life that would fit in the self-care box? You know, you talked about massage or, you know, time alone or a little bit of quiet time that could be a very long list. And I hope it is. And so, you know, create, create that list. Think about, well, this worked for me once it could work for me again. It's going on my list. And so self-care, um, Celeste, I, I wish I could just push pause and go back because you said so many things, <laughs> but you're really on the right track. It is a very personalized list. And that is the best advice I could give outside of getting a coach who can pull this stuff out. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, think about it and think about it often. And also don't, don't beat yourself up if the beginning is difficult because so often, you know, I'll talk to people and I'll ask what brings joy to you. And then I get this like deer in the headlights and they really, Mm -hmm. they don't know at first. Wow. And yeah, it's, it's because so often the pace of life being what it is, expectations are so high and the demands, we know that they're off the charts. We are doing so much with less And so stuff gets pushed to the wayside and often, you know, that includes personal development. And so, yeah, all of a sudden some girls coming in going, Hey, what brings you joy? And you're like, I don't know. Of course you don't. It's okay, but you will, you will. So if the answer is challenging, breathe, breathe. (laughs) Yeah. Take, take a moment, breathe. You know, um, that as you were speaking to, it made me think about something that used to give me a lot of joy. I used to like to travel. Okay. And 
obviously that's kind of, I mean, we can travel a little bit, but it's limited. It's kind of out the window. So, uh, you know, for me anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of put that on hold for a minute, but that doesn't mean that you still can't find things that bring joy in your life. You just may have to adapt a little bit and change. And, and that's where the problem comes in. You know, who moved my cheese? People do not like change, right? They just don't want to even think about doing something different, but for us to survive and thrive, often we do need to think about, well, how could we adapt? that thing which we like to do you know even if it means I you know I think back a couple of years I used to say you know I want to travel and then I eventually did start traveling and gone like many places around the world and I'm glad I did because well actually as I was working on my my PhD I said um I always wanted to go to Europe and um not only did I go to Europe, I went to like eight different countries that particular summer back in 2016. And how glad am I that I followed my gut, my instinct, my desire to want to to travel Um, because it is more difficult now. But what if I had put that on the back burner? I'm, you know, may never have gotten to do um, that thing that I wanted to do. So that's something that we should also listen to that little inner voice that says, Hey, I want to do this, not just talk about it, but be about it. And, um, Mm -hmm. as you write down your goals, kind of go back over them and think about what it's going to take to actually, um, manifest things. So as we talk about change, you know, that obviously can be very difficult for many people, but, um, of course, again, that's where you come in um, in being able to actually help people in affecting that change. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get some advice from Robin on how she actually helps people who are having trouble in this area to be able to live more productive lives. And we'll be back right after this. A lot of things have come to a screeching halt due to COVID-19, but you should know that the court system in Tennessee is still open and holding in-person hearings for orders of protection and other types of abuse cases. If you have a hearing date, double check on where your hearing will be held. If you need assistance on an order of protection or temporary restraining order, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443 or visit our website at www.las.org. And welcome back. You're listening to The Celeste Stein Show, and we have certified life coach and author, Robin Shear, and she's speaking with me today about her passion to help others lead more joyous lives. She's the owner of Joy to the World Coaching, and if you have any questions for Robin today, please feel free to call in to our toll-free call-in line at 888-627-6008. That call-in number again is 888-627-6008. 6008. We would love to hear from you. Now, Robin, uh, we were just talking about how you are able to help others as a life coach. So what are some of the first things that you do when someone reaches out to you to discuss their lack of joy? Well, honestly, the very first thing that I do is find out what in the world is going on. You know, um, it's kind of funny because sometimes people, you know, they recognize, okay, something's off. I know that I need help. Well, that's a good starting point, but we need to get specific and we need to get specific quickly because we, we don't know if we're going to have tomorrow. I don't want to waste somebody's time or money. I want to dig in and move. 
And so what people find is that life coaching with me is, is pretty action oriented. Um, I love hearing, you know, people are just checking stuff off. That makes me feel good. I know that they love progress, but we cannot do that until we know what's going on. And so it's kind of funny because, you know, people hear this concept of joy coaching and they think, Oh, I'm going to pay her. And we're going to sit around and laugh for two hours. And she's going to tell jokes and we have a lot of fun, but that first call is pretty intense because there's a lot of inner digging that goes on. You know, I'll ask a lot of questions about where a person is at and we'll look at all of those areas of life. You know, we touched on a few earlier business and personal and it's sense of adventure and spirituality. There are 10 10 areas of life that are interconnected and we stop the madness and we look at each of those areas and we, we pick it apart with a fine tooth comb and and that individual gives an honest number to the joy factor in each of those areas. And, you know, we often find that things are pretty out of balance and, and then we start to look at, okay, you know, what is your priority? You know, if you could look back a year from now and be thrilled with the progress that you've made and and in the joy level of your life, you know, what would that look like? What, what would make you feel like this was a year that was well spent. And when that answer comes out, we've got a goal and then we just go for it. And it is so much fun. And so that's, that's the beginning point. It's like hardcore digging, big honesty, sometimes some tears. I'm going to be honest. It's, quite an emotional process. <laughs> and I may have right. just scared away half of the people who are considering this. Don't let that scare you because, you know, tears are a God-given gift. It helps you release the things that have been in there probably way too long. And the good news is they end. We have nothing to be afraid of. Emotion is a really wonderful and beautiful thing. And in joy coaching, it comes up. And we go there and we just, sometimes we just sit in it and we just allow it to be what it is. And um, I think people are kind of surprised by that sometimes. And yet what has happened is, you know, after that, you know, emotion comes out, whether it's the first call or the 20th call, oh my gosh, that's where the joy can really come in. You know, they feel free and they feel released from a lot of those chains that have been really heavy and they didn't realize they were carrying those chains around. Right. I think that's an important first step that you bring up. They have to kind of be willing to, I think, uh, step forward. But are you able to actually help people who sometimes maybe don't even feel they have a problem, but everyone around them certainly knows that something's not right, right? (laughs) You can't help someone until they know they need help. (laughs) Right, right, right. You know, and so many people will kind of ignore a problem. Um, And I think what my observation is when when people aren't willing to confront um, particular issues, painful issues, hard issues, um, they don't go away. They just come back around in another way, you know, and it just builds and it becomes a gigantic snowball as opposed to, you know, if you, if you deal with those little things, um, they don't have a chance to become big things. Do you find that? Oh, so true. I could not agree more. I mean, from a, like going back to my health background, you know, prevention <laughs> is so much easier. They say prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And you know, when it comes to personal development, it's exactly the same way. You know, if I, 
if I am addressing my needs when they are, let's say at a six, as opposed to when they are at a one, I'm going to have a lot less work to do. You know, I'm going to see progress so much faster and I'll be so much more empowered to carry that into other areas of my life than when I show up at a one and I feel like a train wreck and, you know, like nothing could help me. So it's not impossible, but it is so much easier when we begin earlier in the process. Absolutely. And do you think that when people are having issues, say in their personal lives, um, whether it be going through a divorce or a breakup and relationship of some sort, whatever the case may be, how much do you think that actually carries over into other areas of our lives. You know, we segmented things earlier and said, you know, you have your work life, your spiritual life. Um, You know, some people believe you should be able to cut that off and it shouldn't carry over into other areas, but is that absolutely false? (laughs) (laughs) How I wish, how I wish from a personal standpoint that I, or we could, you know, segment that and put that on a shelf, because if that were possible, then if my family life is falling apart, it's not going to show up in my business. But of course, we know that that's not possible. We see it every day. We are very interconnected beings. And so the good news, though, this is really good news, is that when you begin to focus on one area of your life, let's say it's your health, and you, your goal for 2022 is to get into shape. And so, you know, this becomes like all that you think about, it's going, going to enhance that part of your life. And it is not going to stay there. It's like a, you know, that part of your life is, is like connected to the other parts of your life, like a spider web. You could not chop that little chunk out and expect, you know, that the spider web will stay intact. It's all laced together. And so when you pour goodness into your health, oh, you're going to see it show up in your family life. When you come home from work at the end of the day, you're going to have spring in your step that wasn't there before and so on and so on. And so it is kind of like a buy one, get nine other free situation, (laughs) which I really appreciate about it. (laughs) Great to hear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good news. Mm -hmm. Well, and and I, I think that's true. I've kind of gone through over the last couple of years a major transformation in my own life um, and, you know, have had many devastating things, I guess, to deal with, um, you know, from having a, a sick parent, um, you know, dealing with uh, death or um, just you know, relationship issues. And I do agree things kind of carry over, but it's not the situation I think that you're always in the middle of or going through, but it's actually how you react to it. And many times people panic and they just fly off the handle and they do things without thinking. But if you take a step back and you actually think, um, what is so bad about this? Or, you know, you know, how may I, uh, you know, I guess, come up with other uh, ways to focus or, or deal with a particular situation? Because one thing you, you can rest assured, you cannot control other people. Um, and so you have to quickly decide how that's going to impact um, 
you. You can't let other people basically, you know, control you or how you think about things in life or you you will be an unhappy person. So that's something that you have to, to think about. And maybe writing down or thinking about ways to attack a particular issue or problem, mm-hmm. you know, before uh, it, it kind of really gets to you and gets out of hand, as we talked about before. So, mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you to, um, why do you think, if you could kind of summarize, why do you think that it's actually really important to have joy in our lives? <laughs> well, I think that if you haven't had joy in your life, you could answer that question, you know? Um, mm. I, my heart hurts, literally hurts when I meet people who do not know what joy feels like. And I have worked with so many and, um, you know, again, my background is, is varied. And one of the things that I did before all of this was I worked with individuals with deadly eating disorders. I mean, these are people who had bulimia and anorexia nervosa and Mm. binge eating disorder. And in many cases they were on death's door. Hmm. And joy was the farthest thing from their mind. And what was so beautiful and so interesting to me was when I worked with these mostly young people, the ones who were willing to dive into more than just the food, the ones who were like really willing to think about what was beyond recovery and what, what there was to live for and were really willing to think about joy, which I didn't even know we were getting into at that time, but it was those individuals are the ones with the best recovery stories. And in fact, this is so funny. We would talk about this this morning as I was preparing for this interview, I was contacted by a young woman that I adore. And she was one of my clients from many years ago. And she was very sick. I mean, she has been in and out of residential eating disorder treatment her whole adult life. And we've been in touch for years, even though I haven't been her dietitian for a number of years. She's, she's someone that I'll always care about. And out of the blue this morning, she contacts me and sent me an audio clip of herself singing on stage in church. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine that I lost it. (laughs) I wear my heart on my sleeve. There are always tears right below the surface. And when I heard that, that's all I had to hear because the backstory is this is a a young woman who had, you know, no desire to live. Everything was against her. Her story was horrendous Mm. yet as we worked together and she thought about what there was beyond that diagnosis, she began to realize she wanted more and she wanted fullness of life. She didn't just want to be a healthy weight and get a job, she wanted to embrace all that life had to offer her. And today, like 15 years after we worked together, I have audio proof that she accomplished it. Joy is so contagious, right? Mm -hmm. You're Mm -hmm. feeling it. That's what I love about it. 
Yeah, that's just tremendous that you can impact, you know, someone's life in that way. But as a life coach, sometimes people, I'm sure, may look at you for all the answers. But is that uh, really your job to give people all the answers? Thank you for asking me that question. I would <laughs> if I could, girl, no, that is not my job. <laughs> right. I make myself crazy and I make you crazy. <laughs> no, no. And what I love about this is like, okay, it is empowering to be the client who is told, no, I will not give you all the answers because you don't need me to. They're in there. They are in there. And you and I are going to dig gently and beautifully and honestly and safely together until we pull those things out. And when you realize it's been in there all along, you're going to fly. You are going to fly. I, I just posted this yesterday um, on LinkedIn. I, oh, one of my, I shouldn't say this. One of my favorite clients (laughs) was a young man who came to me for joy coaching and he, he had been in the hospital before we met a couple of times for suicide attempts. And he was 18, um, barely, barely graduated from high school. You know, it was down to the, to the wire right before graduation day. And, you know, he got a dead end job after graduation while all his friends were taking off for college. You know, it was just, he had no hope. And his mom hired me to do a little digging and he had been working with a therapist, thankfully, and needed to do that. Um, I'll always encourage that. And, and he was making progress, but he was more stuck than he needed to be. And so we began to work together and complement the work that his therapist was doing. And, you know, it was so interesting, Celeste, because for the longest time, you know, my calls are all on zoom. So, you know, we're, we're looking at each other on camera. And he couldn't, he could not look at the camera. He, he, he looked everywhere, but the camera, he had no Mm -hmm. confidence. He had no belief in himself. There was no self-worth whatsoever until it, it felt safer for him to share. And we began to just gently peel away these layers. And it was clear that this young man had been told by the entire educational system that he was a failure because he couldn't learn in the style that they were spoon feeding him. He was not a typical learner. <laughs> and mm-hmm. who is? Right. And so, <laughs> There's you know, all different styles, isn't it? Right. You know? Yes. Yeah. So as a result of that, you know, he had this belief that he was no good and would never amount to anything. Mm-hmm. And we realized that, oh my goodness, how false that belief was. He had so much within him. He was creative. He was talented. He was a problem solver. He was artistic. He, he, could, he could pull things apart and put them back together. He, wow. he was fascinated by how things work. And I'll never forget one day he comes on a call. He was lit up. His face had changed. He said, you know, I've been looking into quantum physics. I said, what? <laughs> said, oh, my gosh. Right. It was during the pandemic. And he was like, you know, I I can't go to work. I can't go and do all these things. So I'm just, I'm digging into things that I find interesting. And all of a sudden I realized I love quantum physics. And I said, can we just stop the madness for a second and reflect back on the fact that you barely graduated from high school because you didn't believe you had a brain and you love quantum physics. That doesn't make any sense. How amazing is this? 
And so we began to just really play with it. Turns out the kid had a mind that just needed to be set free. And he ended up taking it in a direction where he could dig into a college degree that would not only feed like this part of him that had been asleep and stuffed, but would also benefit so many other people. So he is flying. (laughs) The kid is absolutely soaring now. (laughs) And it brings so much joy to the people in his life. I mean, he, and, and fun fact, at the end of a year, we worked together for a year and we were like, okay, let's look back. What happened in this last year? And you know what? He couldn't, he couldn't go back to the beginning. We had to really pause. And all of a sudden he said, oh my gosh, I forgot that I was depressed. Hmm. <laughs> wow. I mean, what progress, you know? And, and that, you know, I think when it comes to learning, we have to keep in mind, teachers must realize, you know, there, there are so many different styles. You know, some people are more hands-on. Some people um, just prefer to, listen and and not necessarily engage so you have to kind of adapt you know I've, I was a teacher for many years and in dealing with that um you know you you really come up with different ways in which to engage with your your students because you have to realize you know you're not all in the same place everybody's at you know kind of at a different starting point and so to bring that all together is not always an easy task and it's no, no one size fits all you have to be really creative and constantly thinking for those students that may have had a bad experience and may have disengaged in some way. So that's really neat to hear. And really that's what you kind of done as a coach, as a teacher, you know, shown him that there are different ways to open doors for those things that interest you. What a fabulous story. We're going to touch more on that. uh, But first we're going to take a quick break and if you have a question for Robin or would like to share your story with us, please feel free to call us here. Give us a call at 888-627-6008. And we'll be back right after this. When it comes to relationships, there are some obvious signs you can use to spot someone who might be abusive. First, they have a tendency to want to rush into a relationship. They may also show signs of jealousy and mistrust. And you could find they expect you to be perfect and will try to cut you off from other important relationships. They could also be abusive towards animals and children. To learn more about the signs of dangerous individuals and how you can identify and avoid unhealthy relationships, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443. And welcome back. You're listening to The Celeste Stein Show. I'm your host, Dr. Celeste Stein. And today we have certified life coach and author Robin Shear, who is talking to us about how we can have more joy in our lives. And I thank you again for joining us today, Robin. This has been wonderful just chatting with you. And I also thank our audience for tuning in with us today. Well, I want to talk about the fact that I've done a little bit of research and I've discovered that Most of this research suggests that people who have a more optimistic outlook on life actually have a reduced risk of heart disease, stroke, and declines in lung capacity and function. Also, according to Harvard Health Publishing, optimism is also associated with a lower risk of early death from cancer and infection. 
And now a new study apparently links our level of joy and optimism to living a longer life. So the study in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences found that people who had higher levels of optimism had a longer lifespan and had a greater chance of living beyond the age of 85. So we definitely have some other reasons for seeking joy in our lives here. Now, um, you have mentioned some some two wonderful examples uh, with clients that, you know, you've seen a great turnaround in. Do you see any common themes, Robin, as you work with people in terms of what it takes to kind of turn the tide from being you know, in a state where you're unhappy to living a life uh, full of joy? I sure do. And before I answer that question, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to the research that you just quoted. Mm -hmm. And thank you. Mm -hmm. Because there are people who believe that it's foolish to spend time thinking about things like this, because we have things to do. We have Mm -hmm. things to accomplish. And this is fluff. And I'm so grateful to you for pulling that research out and putting it out there. There are concrete benefits. And if your only focus is to make more money, get further ahead in life, let me tell you, friends, you got to be alive to do that. And if being optimistic and if finding joy helps you to live longer, and if all you accomplish is living longer so you can make more money, then so be it. (laughs) but I hope Mm -hmm. that you have a whole lot more fun along the way, because when you talk about living longer, there's more to it than just racking up those numbers on the chart. It is about living longer. There's such a difference. And if you can live fully and really experience all the joy that life has to offer you, and you get a few extra years of doing that. So be it. That is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so I had to go back and thank you for that research because there's a whole lot more going on here than just fun fluff. <laughs> are there ways, um, yeah, so so important to mention that, but are there ways that um, you actually get people to connect with and have more joy in their lives? Or do you have like certain techniques that you use to uh, get them thinking and, and moving in the right direction? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's just coaching. It is a coaching is just a safe place to ask the questions that normally you're not asking. And it's a safe place to continue that digging because usually, you know, when you ask a, a good question, you'll get an answer. But then in coaching, the technique is really about digging deeper. What is the answer below the answer? And then the one below that we usually go a few levels deep. And that's when we get to the why. And so often an individual on their own really isn't going to dig to that level. You know, it's kind of like if you put in an exercise DVD and you're the only one doing it, you'll put in about 50% effort, maybe 65 on a good day. If you're at a gym and there's a live human being telling you to drop and do 50 more push-ups, you're going to drop and try, right? And so coaching is much the same way. Are there techniques? Of course, but really in, in full transparency, it just goes back to really being willing to dig and ask the questions. An individual is just not really going to ask on their own. 
Yeah, I think uh, I've noticed a difference. I think what you're saying is so incredibly true. Like when you work (laughs) with others, we're not just meant to, man is not meant to be alone, right? We are meant to work with other people. And, you know, sometimes people have been through things and that's why they're here to tell you about maybe their experience and how they got through something or what have you. So that is such an important point to bring out that we need each other and we need each other to work through um, many of the issues that we have. One of the things that um, we've been talking a lot about uh, people in general, but does this idea of coaching, uh, does it apply to every age group? Are we talking children? And, Mm -hmm. you know, are you noticing differences in children since the pandemic? Is this impacting our kids? Oh, it sure is. Oh my goodness. And to be honest, if, if all I wanted to do was coach on a one-to-one level, it would never be enough because the need is so great. And I am so grateful that there are so many therapists in the trenches, social workers, psychologists, other coaches. I mean, there isn't, there's an army of people who are, who are doing what they can to help humanity right now. And I am so, so grateful. Um, but because the need is so great, you know, one of the things that I am working on are some digital courses, like some, some ways to reach the masses because I could never work one-on-one with all of the people that, that need and want that. Um, mm-hmm. Also writing a book about some really tough stuff that I have experienced and how I specifically found joy on my lowest, darkest days. It's not a story I really want to tell. I would much prefer to talk about the optimistic stuff for reasons that you mentioned. However, I'm really aware that if all I do is talk about life being great all the time, Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. doing people a disservice and and creating this image that life should be good all the time. And that should be your goal. And instead, if we can pull back, say, man, sometimes life is really crappy and you can find joy in even the most difficult circumstances. If I can help people understand that message, whether I coach them one-on-one or you know do it through the book or whatever, I will be thankful if they can take that message and run with it and know how. Right. Well, I think um, that is so important just uh, that people get the information that they need mm-hmm. to be able to affect the type of uh, change in their life that they're trying to get. And, and that's just um, starting point one-on-one, right? Like where you, you kind of have to make that connection because there are some people that might not even know you exist or that oh, there's no. help available, you know, for them. And uh, there are probably not enough people that do what you do. So we thank you for, you know, finding your niche that helps all of us here. Um, one thing, I'm going to take a quick break again. And then when we come back, I want to delve a little bit more into our conversation here on children and joy. And we'll be back to talk about that right after this. 
Domestic violence between intimate partners is expected to rise by 20% during and coming out of the quarantine shutdown. There are steps you can take to protect yourself. Don't wait for an abuser to hurt you. Call the police if you feel threatened. If your abuser begins to stalk you, it might be time for an order of protection. Once you get it, carry it with you and show it to police if you must call them. For more information, call the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443. And welcome back. You're listening to The Celeste Stein Show. And we're having a conversation with certified life coach Robin Shear. And before the break, we were talking about children and joy. And I wanted to throw out some interesting information I found as reported by the Centers for Disease Control. They report that American children and teenagers have seen a significant increase in weight gain since the COVID-19 pandemic began with the biggest jumps occurring in younger school-aged children and those who are already prone to obesity, according to this new study by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The study, published just this week in early January, looked at 432,000-plus people between the ages of 2 and 19 years old and found, among other things, that the percentage of obese children and teens has increased to 22% compared with 19% before the pandemic. So how might this impact uh, or this health impact uh, on our children um, affect their overall lives? Oh my goodness, that statistic is staggering because those percentages usually take so much longer to change. So the fact that in such a short period of time, it raised that quickly is just one more indication of the effect of this pandemic. And I am not in the least bit surprised. Um, again, my heart just hurts as I hear that. Um, mm-hmm. But it makes sense because what kids are experiencing in particular is great. And it's hard to just make the decisions that they have to make and face the things that they have to face and not have that extremely necessary social interaction and connection and contact with other people. And because of that, it makes sense to me that they would be eating more, moving less. Those are easier decisions than facing emotion than facing difficulty and making yet another challenging decision. And so, yeah, I mean, I, and I don't think that that's exclusive just to young people, but I'm not at all surprised to hear that they're, that they're doing that. And, you know, if you think about the long-term implications that that could have, Mm -hmm. I mean, every percent that that obesity rate climbs is, I wish I could remember the exact statistic, but a a significant increase in, in long-term diabetes risk. And, Mm. you know, that is something that we cannot afford at this point in this country. And, when we care for ourselves in a way that's in alignment with how we were created, we feel so much better. So, you know, if I'm emotionally distraught and I turn to cheeses, when what I should be turning to is in alignment, if something that would be in alignment would be, you know, journaling, getting it out, going for a walk, talking to someone, having a moment of quiet, you know, those things will restore my joy. Whereas the Cheez-Its will give me that temporary rush of, you know, oxytocin and happiness. 
right. and take me back on that roller coaster ride. And, you know, earlier you were sharing that great advice that you got from that gentleman in Virginia and shout out to Virginia because my dad lives there. <laughs> but, you know, you know, this concept of kind of being more even keel, that is so much easier on us emotionally and physically and spiritually than the roller coaster ride that we so often find ourselves on when happiness is our goal and we're up and then we're down. And it's just this continual cycle. You know, those stress hormones are just flashing across our cells constantly. And we are not supposed to be bathing in those 24 seven, you know, those are supposed to be like when a lion is chasing us and then they calm down. But instead, you know, we're continually just dumping these stress hormones into our system, leading to weight gain, stress, of course, sleep problems, um, anger management issues, you name it. And so kids are like experiencing stress like never before. And parents don't know what to do because they're dealing with their own stresses, right? And those educators, oh, God bless those educators. God bless them. <laughs> you know, I've been praying yes. for them from the beginning. I'm, yes. I'm a child of an educator myself. My mom taught special ed for her whole career. And, mm. you know, those folks are so strapped right now. They, are, they right. cannot, you know, give more than they're already giving and being asked to give. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, the only advice that I could give, you know, just to get to the point quickly is parents. If you're listening to this, my advice would be really ask gentle kind questions of your child questions like what was the best thing that happened in your day today so number one kind questions non-judgmental non-accusatory non-critical the second thing is get out of the way imagine a hand over your mouth and do not speak (laughs) listen (laughs) no matter what comes up And do not judge that statement because if your child feels safe in sharing and doesn't feel shut down by judgment or criticism, guess what? They're going to keep sharing. And that load that they carry is going to get a little bit lighter. And it is so important that parents realize kids are carrying loads like never before. And we need to remember, A, what it felt like to be a kid, which so often we just distance ourselves from, and B, imagine what it must be like to be a child now. Empathy goes such a long way when it comes to joy. When a person feels heard and understood and valued, it changes everything. And joy will be a natural byproduct. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. What awesome, awesome information, advice, and points. We're coming up to our, our close here. So before we, we end, we have about one minute. I wanted to ask if someone is trying to reach out to you, how can they find you or read your blog posts? Um, how can they get to you? Thank you so much for asking. My website is the best way. And I do have a blog. I've got a YouTube channel. It's all off of the website. So um, I own Joy to the World Coaching, so it's just joytotheworldcoaching.com. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for joining us. This has been an awesome show today. I am your host, Dr. Celeste Stein, and I'd like to thank you, Robin, for joining us. 
This is all the time we have for now. Please be sure to tune in to the Celeste Stein Show for our next program in two weeks at 11 on BBS radio station one, which can be found on iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening. Please go out there and make it a great day. Bye-bye.